Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Uh, this is one of my favorite subjects and probably the one of the most challenging uh, in our Christian lives to live it out, not just talk about it, but live it out. And when you look at Peter, he gets a lot of flack for uh, what he did, but I want to walk through a couple points today, just how we can practically live in restoration and reconciliation. And uh, we're going to look in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen through nineteen. But but think about Peter for a minute, a man of God, a man that walked with Jesus up to three years. Um, he was impulsive, emotional, and expressive. A lot of a lot of great qualities that need to be grounded in the Word of God, but he had a lot of emotion. And when he was in his trial, he denied Christ. And think about that for a minute, the anguish of denial. I mean, all of us have been in certain circumstances where maybe we have greatly regretted something and we live in the anguish, the memory, and the uh, just the the idea of, oh, if I could just turn back time, I would do it differently. That self-loathing can come in, that uh, destructive thought pattern, maybe there's a an attitude just of anguish. And Peter had it, Peter had it, and rightly so. But I'll never forget just this beautiful point when Jesus looked at Peter, just looked at him with eyes of compassion, Something happened in Peter's life, and it changed him forever. And he became the preacher in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, of the first message. And thousands got saved. And God is in the business, we could say, of restoration. And not only restoration, but reconciliation. So in Matthew chapter six, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 16, verse 7, again we see these two words, but go and tell his disciples and Peter. Those two words, and Peter, God made a special emphasis to let each one know that he was not putting Peter on probation. Peter was not now on some blacklist, but instead Jesus's compassion and his love stretched over this uh, denial and um, this betrayal. And Jesus said, my love is greater. My mercy is rejoicing and my grace abounds. And so what does this look like? Well, in John chapter 21, we see an interesting set of verses here. And uh, before we go through John 21, because I love this conversation because it, it is something incredible. Um, we see four R's in uh, reconciliation. Number one, it's God's response. And when failure happens, it's the goodness of God in Romans 2, 4 and 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 13. It's God's response that turns us to him. It's God in his confrontation of goodness and not condemnation but his goodness brings in conviction that turns the heart. Then there's repentance. 
that beautiful word, the gift of grace, the change of mind, change of heart, change of direction, repentance. And this is the forsaking and the isolating and moving on. Then there's rebound, 2 Corinthians 10, 6. It's revenging disobedience with obedience. So many, so many get stuck here. There's maybe constant repentance, but there's really no rebound. There's no, um, there's no new direction. There is not grabbing a hold of something that will, like a handle that will pull us out of the pit. God says rebound. Revenge that disobedience with obedience. Don't sit there focused uh, like Peter did, understandably, for quite a season. Thomas did too. Thomas, you know, Thomas doubted. And, and doubting, there's not a problem with doubting as long as it leads us to a place where we find the answers of truth, but it can hold us down. And then beautifully, in, uh, the fourth R is reconciliation. And I want to just kind of open this word up. How was Peter restored? First of all, he was restored in love, and then he was empowered by faith. Restored in love, empowered by faith. He wasn't on probation. Okay, Peter, you have denied me, therefore I have to prove you again. I have to prove you again. I have to kind of see. I'm a, I have a little bit of suspicion about you now. Uh, you know. And Jesus did not do that because he knew what was in Peter's heart. And we read this. Uh, I want to read 2 Corinthians here together with you. Um, I was there, and and now I'm, okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read that together, and it's a verse we often quote. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So the revelation of that statement is what restores people. It's not treating them in their sin. It's not knowing them after their sin. It's not reminding them of a sin. I was talking with a brother recently that said, I have a, somebody in my life who's a believer that reminds me of my old life. And I said, that's not someone you want to fellowship with because that old life is gone. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, do we really believe this? Don't preach it and talk about it unless we believe. This is a supernatural work of God right here. And it's easy to, to talk it, but do we walk it out? And God help us here, myself in the front of the line here, to walk this out. Now, all things are of God because he's sovereign who has reconciled us, us to himself. See, this is the first thing that Peter uh, was restored in love and reconciled in faith. He was, you might say, oh, the sin will disqualify his ministry or his failure will cancel him out. Well, maybe he is, he will definitely be restored to God, but the call and future that he has may look a little different, but it is still nothing less than a grace abounding in that believer's life. I am red hot with you, with our cancel culture, a bunch of proud Pharisees, and, and that, that, that live in a cancel culture. And by the way, if any of us were put under a microscope, if, we, if anyone was to count iniquity, none of us would stand. I don't want to be a religious Pharisee that throws rocks at the woman caught in adultery. I want to be with you like Jesus, sit, uh, standing or actually writing bent down on the ground, writing out 
reconciliation, restoration. Because the people that we think should be disqualified and thrown away, they may just be exactly who God has to lead the next revival, the next work of God. And I think as a Christian community and a Christian culture, we have tolerated and, and had a very pharisaical attitude uh, because grace fights for the believer. It, it fights for the sinner. It fights in truth. It fights in love. It fights in forgiveness. Okay, let me calm down here. Okay. Uh, okay, so now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. If it doesn't go through Jesus Christ, if it doesn't go through truth, if it doesn't go through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, then there's no way in heaven that it could be reconciled to a human being. That's why when there's repentance, there's humility, there's brokenness, there's not the justification of sin, there's total accountability, total repentance, total humility, totally throwing ourselves on the mercy of God. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So yes, there's forgiveness. We release that person of their offense. But how do we reattach them back to the ministry or to fellowship or to, in a marriage, let's say, uh, to a place of unity? Well, reconciliation, it, it is something that is a command. I mean, imagine that. It's a command. God didn't just suggest it. He commanded it. It's something that produces healing. It builds relationships. And it certainly brings unity. So in Peter's life, Peter could have easily been canceled. Abraham, canceled. David, canceled. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in, in all that he did, people assassinated his character through verbal murder because of how he sat with sinners and publicans. Well, I'm just stirred up with you today that am I a reconciler? Now, again, when we sin and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we are restored to him first. And then the ministry may look a little different, but it's still commissioned from the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm often... Hearing this quoted verse in James chapter 5, verse 16, and I, and I want to highlight it for a minute as we turn to John 21, because I want to definitely get there. Confess your faults one to another. Th this verse is so uh, misunderstood, because really, if you dig down and, and read that verse, it says, reconcile your differences one with another, lay it down, and then pray together, and then wholeness will happen. And then the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, the synergy of you and your brother, you and your sister will, will be dynamic. Well, we don't sit here talking about other people's sins. And, and that is just, boy, if you want trouble in your life, just talk about someone else's sin. Now, let me balance that by saying, if there is an issue, you talk and I talk to the right people. We, we see this all the time in the airports. If you see something, say something. So go to the right people, talk up, go to the delegated authority, go to the table of organization, absolutely communicate. But we get into trouble when we talk to our neighbor, we talk to our peer, and that does not bring reconciliation, that brings division. Well, Peter 
Jesus again was restored uh, because the issue wasn't Peter's sin, <laughs> and, and this is the most striking thing. Everyone focuses on denial, uh, which is the fruit of the sin, but the purpose was Peter left God loving him and loving God in a perfect way. Uh, and this is why he addresses him three times. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, this is encouraging because Jesus didn't come with any other pretense but to restore Peter. And Peter was grieved, and rightly so, because he was so far off in his thinking. And, um, and he addresses him. Uh, you know, again, cast your net on the right side, and then Peter discerns that this is the Lord. And 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 l- let's let's look at what he says here, uh, verse fifteen. Do you love me, Peter, more than the fish? Your business, your life. Do you love me? Peter says, Yeah, you're my friend. Yeah, you know, I appreciate what you do. Right? You know. Well, Jesus knew, but Peter didn't know. Right? By the way, when we sin or the the birth of sin is really from a place where we are void of God loving us. What is the strength of sin in our life? It's it's the void of not letting God love me in a certain area. This is why we go and uh, do what we do and and create such disorder in our lives. You know, God, why don't you love me? And and why are you allowing these things? And Jesus is saying, come into my order and experience my love because I have never stopped loving you. Well, he said, feed my lambs. And this is interesting, feed my lambs. Like, tend to, tend to my people. And then he asked him, do you, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Again, without comparison to the fish, do you just love me, Peter, as who I am? And he said, and this is an interesting, he says, tend to my sheep. And it literally means your life will be a ministry to others, Peter. Your life, your life. And then again, he asked him the third time. Peter was grieved. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me just beyond your own understanding and your own friend, your friendship and your com- camaraderie? Do you love me more than me just making your breakfast today? Do you love me? And we see a, a beautiful conversion in Peter's life, a restoration and he's, he's saying, and we see the point in Peter's life where he's saying, okay, God, I'm going to let you love me. I'm going to let you fill me. I'm going to let you connect me back to my kingdom purpose. I'm going to let you connect me back to my kingdom fellowship, my kingdom destiny. And I'm going to let you mature me and because I'm being trained to reign. Well, this anguish, this inner anguish turned to joy. And this inner anguish, this vexation turned to a sensitivity in his heart. Well, there's much we could say, but I I just want to close by saying forgiveness releases worship. Forgiveness releases worship. Maybe you have have a relationship in your life and you're angry at someone because they did something against you. Let, Let yourself be reconciled to God. And let God, through his purpose and process, reconcile that person to God. <clears throat> maybe, maybe it's a, a season we do nothing but pray. We just say, okay, God, if I, if I touch this, it's going to be bad. But I'm going to commit it to prayer. I'm going to commit it to a fervent prayer. We leave our gift at the altar. 
in Matthew 5.24 and make it right with the person. Oh, it doesn't matter what we can do. It matters the spirit in what we do. Right? Leave your gift at the altar. And I, and I, and I just want to close by saying it's so important to live in reconciliation and restoration. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do this. Like, God, help us go humbly in Galatians 6.1. Lowly. Really listen. Go alone and really listen to the person. Like, what is going on? And then not just be there as a, as a judge or, or the jury, but to really say, hey, listen, let's reconcile ourselves to God. Let's reconcile our differences. And, and maybe, honestly, maybe, you know, there are things that can't be reconciled with our differences, but we lay them at the foot of the cross. And in truth, we stand up again. And I, I emphasize that in truth, we stand up again. And we let love's process and faith's commission mature that person. And in Galatians 6, when you who are spiritual and mature in humility, seek restoration. Oh, there's much we could say. You know, it's so important. You know, sin is sin, and some sins are very destructive, very infectious. There are snares. And um, <clears throat> certainly the response ultimately and always is love and care and grace. But restoration means you're helping that person stand up again. You're helping that person not fail in that same area again. Like Jesus said, go and s do not sin in this way again. So it's not like we're throwing something under the rug or denying it and saying, you know, taking a blind eye. That's not what we're talking about today. In truth, it's exactly Galatians 6.1. It's Romans 14.4. Uh, it's uh, our brother, you and I, we stand before God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're untouchable. We communicate, right, Pastor Love, if there's an issue, absolutely. The leadership is the, under most scrutiny because to those that are given much, much is required. But my attitude, my spirit, and I think as a church, the unbeliever really watches this. They really watch it. Like how this church shames other Christians. And, you know, a lot of times when people exit a church because of whatever reason, they're free to do whatever they want. And then they come back and they're like, people, like you said, have a ledger. And it's like that fragile reconnect is instantly destroyed. Like, because it's like, oh, I'm remembering something God has forgotten. And I'm remembering uh, because of the trauma of impression, because of maybe a wrongdoing or but, but grace abounds, grace abounds. And bless them that despitefully use you. I mean, Matthew 5, I mean, those are hard verses. <laughs> we want to take a sword out or we, whatever. And God is saying, you're most like Christ, Billy Graham said it, when you forgive. But I'm sorry is not really enough, isn't it, Pastor Love? There's, there's an action and ministry beyond that where as was quoted so beautifully in our staff meeting today, Acts 20, 24, we do not count our life dear unto ourselves. We are dead. You can't offend a dead man. You can certainly offend someone that's not dead, but we don't count our life dear unto ourselves so that we may finish, finish loving, ministering. And sometimes we may think, oh, we have to do something great for God. I don't know if Peter knew, right, Pastor Love, what was next in his, in the track, but 
God says, through this horrific denial and re- repentance, recovery, reconciliation, you are going to be used of God. And I think this is what we really have to say. God, how are you going to use that person? And not in their present state, but in what you're making them to be in truth. So yeah. that is so awesome. That's the magnificence of grace and the legalistic nature of us. We have a problem with that. And God says, your problem isn't with Peter. Your problem is with me. And isn't that true in counseling? It's so often where people fight one with another, but the real issue is inside themselves. And God help us. We are first reconciled to God. First reconciled to God. Like, Lord, I don't love like you do. I don't think like you. I, I Teach me again. Humble me in the sense of learning and loving and listening. Why? Anyway, I'm reminded of something one of the Polish pastors said years ago, and it helps me when, when uh, we just maybe have like that, per, uh, <laughs> that invisible two by four that hits us in the gut or something, you know, and maybe through words or uh, just an action that uh, was right from the devil, really. So a couple things are, number one, we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the facts about the situation. This is, helps with perspective. Number two, we don't know what kind of spiritual warfare that person is in. Mm-hmm. And number three, we don't know if they've repented or not. So again, it's like, are we letting them off scot-free? No, we communicate uh, to them alone. We communicate in love. We don't communicate with the idea of trying to change them. Love produces that change. And then if there's not, if they're not received, then we go to someone that they're accountable to. And we, in Colossians 3, 12 and 13, we bear one another, forgiving one another. If there's a complaint, even as Christ has forgiven you, it's like we demonstrate the answer. And, and remember forgiveness, <laughs> people says, I forgive you. I'll never forget it. But forgiveness is we release that offense. Like I am no longer in the equation. This this is where we get emotionally invested and riled up because you hurt me. It's like, wait a minute, I'm dead with Christ. What happened was wrong. And certainly if there's legal or judicial matters, we we handle that in in a in a with an order, of course. But we take ourselves out, and it's amazing how much clarity we have. Because emotions, they don't think, they just they go berserk, actually, <laughs> and, yeah. and they do. And it's yeah. like, okay, we're hurt, we're bleeding, we get, you know, the arms ripped off, but it's like, okay, God, God, help me here, help me. It's the shocker, ready? It's like we want what's right and wrong to be reestablished, and that's understandable, but what is it that wins the heart that glorifies God? That, that is what brings reconciliation. That's what brings righteousness what glorifies God? I think of in a marriage where someone could secretly be despising their spouse because X, Y, Z, maybe this, that's, that's not happening. This is happening wrong. It's like if we get secretly offended, and that is a real thing, we begin to despise. But what a provision we have in, in, in just instead of living in reaction, we live in response to God that says, uh, like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. They they're in the moment sinning, but they don't realize the consequence of it. I mean, think about, think about Jesus for a minute. 
Jesus died of a broken heart. He died of a broken heart. I mean, he gave up his life, but when they put the spear in him in the water, and and that that signifies a broken heart. I mean, think about Jesus was brokenhearted over Peter. Philip, how long have you walked with me and you still don't know who I am? I mean, Jesus felt the infirmities and yet he did not sin. Like, Jesus is brokenhearted when we sin. But it's like, hey, let me lead you into the deep, Luke 5, 4. Let me lead you beyond and uh, discover me, discover me. It's, uh, it's a lifelong Christ-centered journey. And thinking about marriage, you know, uh, I think of the three A's, abuse, adultery, and abandonment. I mean, we see these things in Scripture uh, that give us a clear understanding of, of just a broken relationship that desperately needs reconciliation to God. And just to say that we are not encouraging someone to uh, live in those kind of relationships uh, with the, those three A's we just said, without getting help, without using um, wisdom, and um, and some things are irreconcilable, isn't it true, Pastor Love? Like between people, but the point is everything can be reconciled to God. Everything, uh, and we see this in Matthew chapter five. And I want to read these verses because this is church life right here. Uh, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there where you remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. Like Jesus is saying, that is more important than what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're being Superman or Superwoman uh, in your ministry. God is saying, if you're not right with your brother, it's vanity, it's worthless. And this, these are strong words. Go your way. Be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. I mean, Psalm 212, the Holy Spirit could be our adversary. Like, are we agreeing with God? Are we reconciled with God? Are we living in self-absorption, self-righteousness? It's like, it's like no, no, God, help me. Reckon, be reconciled the truth and reconciled to grace. Like we're not the judge and the jury. I have, I don't know, you talk about social media. I am ashamed to see how people have responded to certain circumstances where people have, have fallen and there's been a mob mentality. And I am scared for those that accused and crucified the person again and the persons again. I am concerned that in Romans 2, 1, their sin will come off of them onto us. So we really, really have to, God is in heaven, we are on earth, so let our words be few. And to communicate to people that can do something about it. Because Ecclesiastes 10, 20, if we're just, and that's a good verse, Ecclesiastes 10, 20, if, uh, <clears throat> if you're talking about, if you're cursing the king in your mind, a birdie, will tell it, and it will come back to you. God help us there. God help us. Reconciled mm. first to God, and the action is God's business. That replacement principle that Pastor Stevens used to talk about, you know, God will fill in that void. You know, you brought up a point earlier, 
you know, it's interesting. Let's say you have someone in your life and we know we have people in our life for seasons. There are seasons. And I, I think back and let's say you have someone in your life and then all of a sudden there's, there's a breach or a failure. Are we going to cancel out years and decades of love and ministry? That is absurdity to me. I, I cannot even process that in a, in a, in a, in a, oh, how do I, I can't even say it. I'm so agitated. It's like, we have to, we have to literally understand from God that we want to eat the chicken and spit out the bones. I mean, I, I hate to say it, like but I mean, Hebrews 10, 18, you might as well omit Hebrews 10, 18 from the Bible and Jeremiah 50, 21, 50, 20. Uh, and Genesis 50, 20. We might as well throw that out of the Bible. God remembers our sin no more. God will teach us how to do that. But if I'm there with my microscope and my long nose and my little glasses and my, you know, you shoulda and we can't believe. God, forgive us for that. God, forgive us. Because God is saying, I fight for the sinner and I certainly don't leave him the same way I found him. I lead him into life, liberty, integrity, truth, holiness, holiness, holiness. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.